The presenting sponsor of Top Docs is Netflix. Recently, we've had the good fortune to speak with the directors of several of Netflix's new documentaries, including Margaret Brown, director of Descendant, who talked to us about her beautifully layered and timely portrait of the descendants of the slave ship Clotilda. We also spoke with Tamana Ayazi and Marcel Metelzefen, directors of In Her Hands, which follows the courageous young mayor of an Afghan town who fights for women's rights against the backdrop of the country's takeover by the Taliban. We also spoke with Elvis Mitchell, director of Is That Black Enough for You? His celebration of black cinema in the late 1960s and the 70s. And upcoming, director Chris Smith will be joining us to discuss his new documentary, Senior, featuring Robert Downey Jr. in tribute to his late father, the pioneering filmmaker Robert Downey Sr. Be sure to look for these conversations in our feed and watch the films on Netflix. Descendant in Her Hands and Is That Black Enough for You are available now, and Senior debuts on Netflix on December 2nd. Mark your calendars. Hi, I'm Ken Jacobson, and welcome to Top Docs. Today, I'm talking to Chris Smith, the director of Senior. The film had its world premiere at the 2022 Telluride Film Festival and is screened at festivals throughout the fall season, including the New York Film Festival, AFI Fest, and Doc NYC. The film is nominated for the Cinema Eye Honors Audience Choice Prize, and Robert Downey Sr. was named to the Cinema Eye Honors List of the Unforgettables. Chris Smith is a multiple Primetime Emmy Award nominee, a winner of several Cinema Eye Honors Awards, and winner of the Sundance Grand Jury Prize for his classic, much-beloved 1999 documentary, American Movie. He has also directed, earlier this year, the HBO docuseries 100-Foot Wave, featured on an earlier episode of Top Docs. He directed Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, and produced the hugely popular docuseries Tiger King. Senior really surprised me. I thought it was going to be mostly a portrait of Robert Downey Sr. and his groundbreaking work as one of the seminal underground indie filmmakers of the 60s and 70s. And it was that, but it was just so much more than that as well. For one, the contrarian, spontaneous, break-the-rule spirit of Robert Downey Sr. really infuses every aspect of this documentary and just makes it a riddle, a meta-experience, and something where you just really don't know what's going to happen next. But even more than that, I was completely gripped by this as a love story between a father and son, which becomes greatly intensified when Sr. is diagnosed with Parkinson's. I really came away from the film with a huge amount of respect and admiration for Robert Downey Jr. as a son, as somebody who's there for his father and is really trying to make the most of what could be these last few months with him. So it's really moving, but as you might expect with Robert Downey Jr. and Sr. in the film, it's also incredibly funny. Talking to Chris Smith, I was really impressed with how he steered this ship so calmly, even as things were changing. How sensitively, but frankly, he dealt with both Downey's periods of drug addiction. And finally, how he managed to keep pace with these two unpredictable geniuses. Sr. debuts on Netflix on December 2nd. As usual, if you like this interview, please follow us and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and tell a friend. Also, please follow us on Twitter at TopDocsPod. And now my conversation with Chris Smith, the director of Senior. 
Chris Smith, welcome to Top Docs. Thanks. I want to start off by asking a question about you before we jump into the movie. You've become one of the most prolific documentary filmmakers working today. I mean, there are numerous features, series that you have directed just in 2022 that you're working on now. And I'm just really curious, how do you organize your time so that you don't just get these projects done, but you're able to reserve enough creative energy to make these projects as good as I'm sure you want them each to be? No, it's a good question. I We put in a lot of hours and we have really good teams of people that we work with. So I think it's a combination of those two things. But I was in the mix last night till 1.30 in the morning. I worked a lot with Company 3 on color and keep it Formosa on sound. And so I think having regular collaborators really helps you maximize efficiency just because they start to know what you like. It just reduces the amount of time that's wasted. Over the years, I think we put a lot of effort into making our process as efficient as possible in terms of spending the least amount of time on things that don't matter and don't actually affect the creative. I would just say that certainly, in my opinion, the quality has not suffered at all from the quantity. So keep it up. We're trying. <laughs> so let's jump in and talk about Senior. And first of all, just congratulations on the film. I truly enjoyed every moment of it. And I can't wait, as I'm sure you can't, for a wider audience to see it. Well, thank you. So let's talk about the film's opening sequence. You take some, I think we could call it playful direction from Senior. And I think we should just establish off the bat that Senior refers to Robert Downey Sr. Jr., if we use that term, refers to Robert Downey Jr. Because right. that's pretty much how they refer to each other and how you refer to them in the film and in the intertitle. So in this opening scene, you take some playful direction from Senior, which involves filming his serpent-headed cane, and which also includes Junior coming in and adding his own personal touch. And you ask, where do we go next? And then Senior has a great line. He says, you mean after this, we're not even halfway to any ideas like that. We're just having fun and getting started. You know, I think the scene just right off the bat establishes several things. One, the question of who's in charge is kind of up for grabs. It looks like we might have at least three directors here. Second, it also gives us a glimpse into the spontaneity and improv skills of both Senior and Junior. But it also gets at, I think, the core of Senior's approach to filmmaking. He gives you a kind of warning. He says, don't rush the process. Don't think too hard about where we're headed. And getting started is inherently tied to having fun. So my question is, how early on did you become aware that Senior, as a subject of this film, was going to bring the same attitude and general philosophy to your film that he brings to his own? And did this require... Any adjustment on your part? I always feel one of the best things you can do is be a mirror to the world that you're observing. And I know not everyone thinks that way. I felt like trying to make something that was still our own, but embraced the playfulness and sort of spirit of senior seemed like a great place to start. Let's go back to the beginning of this process. How do you know Robert Downey Jr.? How did this project get started? And were you there from the beginning? So I had a meeting at Robert Downey Jr.'s company and threw out the idea of, does Robert have any interest in doing a documentary? And Robert came back and intimated, one, that he had no interest in doing a documentary, but he thought his father would be a good subject. I knew of Putney's Swope, but I didn't know his larger body of work. 
And so it was really just like an entry point to just say, one thing after doing this for so long, you realize there can be a good story anywhere. And I think it's just important to keep an open mind. Like I had no interest in surfing or surf movies or surf documentaries and meeting Garrett and following that opened up a whole other world. And for folks who may not be familiar with it, you're talking about 100 Foot Wave, which is your HBO documentary series about big wave surfing featuring Garrett McNamara. We interviewed Joe Lewis, your EP for the podcast. I think this was pretty similar. It just, I think just meeting senior, you immediately knew that there was something there. It's interesting, yeah, that Robert Downey Jr. was pointing you in the direction of his father. I'm sure, you know, everybody brings something different to watching this project, depending on what their level of familiarity is with both Downies. But pretty quickly, if you didn't know much, you learn that filmmaking is kind of the family business in the Downey family. I guess what I'm curious to hear about is you're coming in as a non-family member to make this with a camera. Was there a transition period where you sort of had to be welcomed into the family as an honorary member? You know what? I would say that like from the start, it was, I don't feel like anything changed. Like they were so open and welcoming when we first arrived in the Hamptons. That was the first day of shooting with Robert and his dad. Robert came out and the first thing he said was nothing is off limits. I don't know why he chose to come say that, but that sort of set the tone of things where I felt like we had the run of the place in terms of like anything that we wanted to film while we were with them was fair game. That was precisely going to be my next question. Your typical Hollywood star, it's like, you're not going to be filming in their home. You're not going to be shooting footage of their kids. But here, it's really just the opposite. To be honest, it surprised me. I didn't know Robert going into the project. I'd met him once briefly. At like I think he was on a movie, and we had like a really short meeting while he was at lunch. Very nice, but only so far you can go at that point. When we showed up at the Hamptons, it was incredible how, I don't know, like we didn't know what to expect. Would they want like fancy cameras and the full crew and all these different things? And it became clear, I think a few days before we got a word that Robert wanted no outside crew. I was supposed to come on my own. Luckily, he allowed me to bring one other person, my partner, and I taught her how to do sound. I had to learn how to shoot again, which I hadn't picked up a camera in over 10 years. So there were a lot of things about it that were unusual, but looking back at the whole thing, I can't imagine it going any other way. Like knowing Robert, knowing Senior, knowing their family, it would never have worked to show up with a sound guy, a DP. And it just wasn't that sort of feeling. Again, looking at the movie and knowing what I know now, that seems very obvious. But like you said, we didn't know what we were walking into. We didn't know if we were going to get like, okay, you have this period of time in this area. Just because every situation is so different with what the access can be. But in this case, it was as open as anything I've ever worked on. Open and yet, in some ways, incredibly convoluted. Uh, yeah. Ju Junior says about Senior, he'd rather be doing a film about something else than allow a documentary to be made about him. So the middle ground has been he's doing his own version. And then soon we find ourselves in the streets of New York City and the title card tells us Senior begins filming his version of the project. By my calculation, at this point, you're filming your version, Senior's filming his version, and you also seem to be filming Senior's version. And then you have Junior with his hand in all of these versions. Later, it seems Senior is editing his version of your film. To whatever extent you can or wish to, how did all this work and evolve over time? I've never been someone that's territorial or protective in the sense of 
I was excited that Senior wanted to make his own version of the movie. I, in a way, it was, I didn't realize it at the time, but it became pretty clear that him being fixated on his cut allowed us a lot of like latitude in terms of us being able to make the film that we wanted to make. So that was definitely a benefit that I think had that not happened, I think could have made the process difficult. But as it was, Senior knew that he was making his version of a movie. So I don't think that he really cared what happened to the other one. And then along the way, we see that he's watching footage of your version, which is interesting because often we see, you know, the events unfold and then we see him watching those same events. And then, of course, you're watching him watch those events. So it does get a bit meta there. It does. But I think that, that part of that seeing Senior react to what was happening, I think, gave really nice insights to who he is and how he thinks and his perspective in terms of filmmaking and life in general. So as a filmmaker at that stage in your life, I can think of nothing better than to be immersed in a project again. And I think that you could feel that when we were there. Yeah, this film is definitely about the joys and the restorative process of the creative process. And the, sure. and, the and the restorative powers, I should say, of the creative process. And one of those reasons why that's so badly needed is because a little more than 15 minutes into the film, we learn that Senior has Parkinson's disease. And there's a scene where, to me, it's one of the most striking in the film, where he says, I think I have to face the idea of my problem and just cut away to the shakes I have sometimes because his hand shakes. And when it shakes, he kind of slaps it to, to steady it. And I think we hear you sounding what seemed to be a bit startled saying, what is that? And he says, the Parkinson's. So my question is, when and how did you become aware of his Parkinson's and the extent of it, the seriousness of it? We were actually shooting with two cameras in that day and the voice there was Kevin. I knew immediately what it was because my dad had Parkinson's. So that wasn't a question that I would have asked. What was interesting is when we started, Senior was so full of life. Like the first day we were there, we went out and we walked and got lunch. And the project started as a portrait of an artist, a portrait of a filmmaker. And that's as far as any of us really considered what the movie would be. Robert didn't really want to be a big part of it. It was really supposed to be about Senior. It was only as his condition worsened that it really changed into being about their relationship. And I think in the edit process, it was one of the harder things for us to reconcile with because early edits of the movie were so based around Senior and his work. And as it changed to be about him and his life and their relationship, it was a small ship, but it was something that took a while to figure out just in terms of the edit process. I definitely want to get into that a little bit later. I just want to stay on his Parkinson's for just a second and this early scene. Because what's amazing is he is already thinking about how to incorporate it into the film. We even see in his notebook, in his production notebook, that he says something about showing his shakes or his Parkinson's. And then there's a phone call with Junior, and he says, I do think that should be part of the film. And Junior's like, oh, okay. So... This is another case, and there's many in the film, where the space between life and filmmaking is dissolved. Yeah, for sure. Look, there was a lot of wisdom that he had that factored into what the film became. But his insights were invaluable. In the very first interview we did with him, he was talking about Rittenhouse Square, and he says a line, which is that in making that film, they learned to trust anything and anything can happen. There were a lot of things that just 
felt like they became guiding principles for what the movie was. And that was definitely one. So let's go back and pick up about Senior's career as a filmmaker. Early on, he's shuffling through DVDs of his old movies, and he plays a scene from his first movie, Chafed Elbows, from 1966, which I loved seeing the newspaper ad for that, which shows that it's on a double bill with Scorpio Rising by Kenneth Anger, <laughs> which just tells you so much about the era and how times have changed. But it also, I think, just contextualizes his work. For those not familiar with it, these films look from these clips, and I think, in fact, are pretty raw and unconventional and experimental. You'd mentioned that Putney Swope was the film that you were really familiar with before you started. But as you dived into Senior's oeuvre, what were some of the things that you discovered about him as a filmmaker? What impressed you the most? What impressed me the most was just the inventiveness. I felt like he tried never to do the same thing twice. Every movie pushed the boundaries in different directions. There was something that was incredibly inspiring from a creative perspective, just in the way that he seemed to embrace filmmaking. He was such a fan of just the process. And I think as you look at his work more closely, you can find something different every time or see something new every time that you watch one of his films. And what was the process of collaborating with Senior and I suppose with Junior on choosing clips from the films? But Senior definitely had his, the ones that he stood out to him. Junior actually, I think just because he grew up with these movies and knows them so well, he was an incredible resource in terms of helping us identify moments that we might have missed. One that comes to mind is there's a great scene where he's talking about his mother and what he learned from her as an actor. And there's a great clip where she gets like an arrow in her leg. And as she pulls it out, another one comes in. And that was something I don't know how, but we had missed. And that was something that Robert had pointed out. It's like, it's like the best joke. You have to put that in. And so there were little things like that. I think were either important to him or important to them that upon somebody pointing them out, you understood the relevance and why they would resonate. Yeah, I love that clip. It's genius. There's a great scene where I think you're in his home office and there is a framed certificate on the wall, which is from the Library of Congress, which says that Putney's been selected for the National Film Registry. And Senior's the one that is calling out to you, hey, did you get a shot of that? But then right after that, Junior, who's in the room, asks him if that honor represented a kind of validation from his peers. And he kind of deflects that question. So what I love is that there's an interesting dance here around ego, because on the one hand, he's saying, hey, get, did you get a shot of this certificate? On the other hand, he dismisses his son's question about it. He doesn't really want to be too focused on this. It seems like he has an ego, but he's also very modest. It felt like he just wasn't that interested in the discussion around success or like any perceived success around his work. I guess at that age, you can kind of do whatever you want. I don't know, you would have to ask him, but he just seemed like he didn't have a lot of time for a meaningless conversation. He was very polite and like nice, but there was definitely like, in the early interviews that you see with Senior, there's definitely like some bite. You can tell that there's like an angsty young man there. And very quickly that's gone and never comes back in any of the interviews that he does later. It was very interesting to see glimpses of that person in very early interviews that never resurfaces. And by angsty, what do you mean? Just like 
when he's talking about Putney Swope, the interviewer says, I hear it's very funny. He's like, I hope it has some sting to it. It seemed like he would call out everything later to seemed a lot looser and like lighthearted. You just don't see that side of him as the years progress. I think the other thing in the later interviews is a gentleness. And yes. he's all, I notice he's, he's always complimenting the people around him, you and Kevin, your Ford, I believe, and Junior about just, oh, great shot or what, you know, amazing what you just did. Or he's just so encouraging and complimentary and just gentle in his praise. I was surprised after looking at the body of work in more detail, I expected him to be very judgmental and he was just the opposite. It was someone who just loved filmmaking, loved art, loved culture. It was really inspiring to be around because I feel like the world has gone in a slightly different direction. And it was really nice to be around somebody that it was only about the art. Throughout the film, we see Junior and Senior on the phone with each other. And these calls are an interesting combination of, hey, how you doing? Just check-ins and shop talk about the film itself. You have a camera trained on each of them. So we get to see their reactions to the other person, but they don't because they're on the phone. Can you talk about these calls, how they came together and how they evolved? The origin was Robert wanted to go sort of have a dialogue with his dad and we were going to document and film that where they would talk about their shared history, right? And then COVID hit and that wasn't possible. And we kept thinking another week, another couple of weeks. And when it became clear that travel wasn't going to be happening anytime soon, Robert came to the conclusion, he's like, I want to have a, a series of phone calls. We set up cameras in both places and they just had, I think it was, there were five calls over five weeks. It was really amazing because you realize very quickly that it was giving this sort of spine to the story. It was something that we would be able to continually come back to that sort of would help take us from beginning to end. I also think they provide an emotional heft to the film just because we can watch in real time how each person is reacting to the other. Yes. So one of the challenges you faced, obviously, was you're making a film that's primarily a portrait of Senior. At some point in telling that story, Junior's own biography becomes a part of the story. It's only natural. Junior's story is a part of Senior's story and vice versa. And so it's with Senior's film Pound in 1970, that's where Robert Downey Jr. makes his film debut at the age of five. So after this point, we do start to see more clips of Junior and track on his career somewhat. What were the challenges for you of incorporating Junior's story and his filmmaking career into the film while still keeping things in proper balance? There's a definite tendency to add more and more. And I think the challenge was to try to pull that back to get to the essence of the relationship. Obviously, like there's a lot of junior story that everyone knows. So I think one thing we didn't want to do was like sort of live in things that were common knowledge. And so it, I think that was challenging. Robert is so much more well-known than his father. So I think trying to find things, because we did, we touched on Marvel. We touched on everything. We on the addiction more across the board. And so it was challenging to find the balance because senior talking about Iron Man was interesting. But I think in the end, they, they were things that I think ultimately took us further away from where we wanted to be in terms of what the story was really about. The whole movie was a balancing act in terms of 
trying to tell the best version of the story. And so there are a lot of great things that we lost along the way that, you know, with every movie, it's like that. But I felt like that this, for people that think that they might know the story, I felt hopeful that there's enough for people that don't know and not too much for the people that do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for the most part, I mean, the clips of Robert Downey Jr.'s film career are things that I haven't seen before or maybe saw a long time ago. They feel very fresh and new. And there's not Iron Man clips running throughout this film. Spoiler yeah. alert. I want to talk about another challenge for you. You alluded to it is the issue of drug use, which is something that is a part of both senior and junior's lives. And it emerges in your film when you're talking about seniors film, Two Tons of Turquoise to Taos Tonight. Great title for a film from 1975. This marks a, a major period of drug use for senior. It, this is something that's discussed in the film. So I'm not saying things that are yeah. not in the film. He basically calls himself a drug addict. And it is around this time that he and his wife, who is Junior's mother, split up. And Junior is also talking about this period. He's only 10 at the time when this happened. So this is being discussed and clearly this had a major impact on Junior. But what I found interesting is the tone of the film in this portion, it's not dark or particularly emotional. It's just very matter of fact. So I was just curious how things kind of evolved into talking about this. Was it because you were going through Senior's career and you got to this film and so these issues came up or did it come up through talking about drugs? It, it came up organically. I think we were going through the timeline and chronology of Senior's life. When we got to LA, I, I think I even asked him, I was like, was that era fun? You know, like being in LA and they said, no, it was like, I was a drug addict with 15 years of insanity. And he was very clear about his thoughts regarding that time. I don't I think that there was a lot of um, romance around that period. So during the LA period, the lost 15 years, Senior makes his one studio movie, Up the Academy, which was, for people who don't remember, was Mad Magazine's attempt to capitalize on the huge success of National Lampoon's Animal House. The film was not a huge success. And given what we know about Senior as a filmmaker and what a contrarian he is, it just seems like a terrible idea for the studio to hire him in the first place. As you were delving into this film, and Junior kind of is particularly excited, I think, to talk about this film because it all just seems so crazy. What else did you learn about Up the Academy, maybe, that didn't make it into the final cut? It was actually a movie in part with Mad Magazine. And so that character, Alfred E. Newman, actually makes an appearance in the movie, which we had in for a while and then we took out. I mean, that alone was just, it was so hard to imagine when you look at Senior's work up until that point, him trying to fit into that that world, it was so at odds with each other. And I think he does a really good job of walking you through that experience. And you still managed to show some great clips. Yeah. That was one of Robert Downey Jr.'s contributions was there was one scene in Up the Academy where there's like an endurance joke. There's a line that's repeated and it's probably the closest thing you'll find to a Robert Downey Sr. moment, which if you go back to Putney Swope with how many syllables Mario or Greaser's Palace with the card trick, there was this small beat in Up the Academy where there's something similar that happens that we were able to showcase. And it was something that we missed and, and Robert pointed out to us. Another great contribution that Robert Downey Jr. makes is his performance of a German folk song. 
I don't know how much we want to talk about it as a spoiler, but it is just a great sequence. Junior performs this German folk song with his accompanist, the actor-producer Sean Hayes. And this is all happening because Senior wants it in the movie. And it's just the perfect oddball touch that it could only be in a Robert Downey Senior movie, I think. Can you talk more about how all this came together? It came together exactly as you see it in the movie. Senior asked Robert to film the scene. And I think it was one of those things that like his dad was in poor health. It was one thing he asked him to do. And that was the interesting thing about the dynamic is that I always feel like when you see people go back for a holiday or something, they sort of slot back into this relationship with their parents. And I felt like there were moments where you would still feel that between the two of them. And I think Senior wanted this done and Robert felt like he had some obligation. Begrudgingly, he, he like had no choice in the matter. It was interesting because it's like somehow, again, when I talked earlier about Senior intuitively knew what the movie needed. It's such a great left turn and such a great thing that speaks volumes about them, their relationship, and gives life to the movie in a way that if it wasn't about Robert Downey Sr. And, it, and he wasn't the subject, that would have never happened. I think that's a great example of something that is definitely like a senior influenced, obviously, aspect of the movie. It also provides a bit of levity, which I'm sure intuitively he realized that we could probably use some of that. Yeah, for sure. On the other side of it is the dark side. It's interesting to hear you talk earlier about how the film evolved. And it does evolve because Senior has Parkinson's and his health is deteriorating. It starts to go in a dark place. There are repeated scenes where Junior is kind of walking up to the very brink of, I don't know if confrontation is the right word, but really directly talking to his dad about how he was as a father when Robert Jr. was a boy. And being exposed to the drug use specifically. These seem to be moments that Junior, clearly he feels he needs to do this, he wants to do this, but for the most part, Senior kind of backs away from that. He deflects, he makes a joke, and then yeah. they move on as fathers and sons will do. I definitely got the feeling that there were things that Robert w was still not okay with, that he wanted to have this dialogue with his father because it still, I think, weighed on him all these years later, it, even through the success and everything else. I think one thing that he wanted to impress upon us is like, I don't want this to be this everything's great portrait because it wasn't. And that was something that was very clear from him. Uh, obviously with the documentary things, we tried to honor what we observed to be the actual relationship. I think that was something that was very important to him was just that it didn't try to paint a rosier picture than what it was. I think they loved each other they respected each other, but I think Robert Downey Jr. still had things that he wanted to address. To me, that was one of the things that was so frustrating, just how things unfolded with COVID and travel, was that dialogue didn't have an opportunity to happen. And by the time it does happen, Robert's in the room with his father near the end of the movie, and he asks him, is there anything that you would want your kid to know? And it's sort of an entry point to that discussion. And at that point, I think it's too late. And there's something in and of itself that's somewhat uh, poetic about just the irony of the, through this whole journey, you actually end up in this position. And then it's like, by the time you get there, it's too late to have the discussion, you know? Yeah, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And it's seen, I mean, as an audience member, I'm just crying out saying like, 
he wants to hear the words, I'm sorry. It seemed like it, you know, I don't think we, we know either side fully, but that felt like, you know, it definitely felt that way. There's a scene that you shoot with Junior where he's talking via Zoom with his therapist. Clearly, this is a very personal moment. <laughs> he's talking to his therapist. But also what's being discussed is germane to topics that are being explored on camera in the movie. What conversations did you have with Junior about shooting this scene? And how did you figure out how you were going to do this? That wasn't premeditated. Kevin actually filmed that scene on his own. One of the things that we would always talk about is just like always be shooting. So anytime that we were in the presence of either of them, the idea was to be rolling all the time. And so Robert had a therapy session. Kevin was there. It wasn't something that Robert looked at and said, I think you guys should cover the therapy session. You know, it was just something that happened. Kevin gently approached and started filming and wasn't rebuffed. And it's an amazing moment that was captured. But again, I think it comes back to what Robert says in that scene, which is like, whatever's happening, funny or tragic, his dad was there with a 16 millimeter camera in his hands. And that it was such a part of their existence, the documentation of filming and things. And that definitely obviously benefited us because it was something that felt so natural to them. Yeah, that comes across. It doesn't feel at all intrusive. You've clearly been invited into this moment and it's like I said, it's germane to what we've been seeing in the film. In May 2021, Junior's back in the Hamptons. It's year three of shooting, and Junior and his son Exton go into the city to see Senior. The scene with the three of them in Senior's apartments is really touching, and it shows just how important it is to Junior, especially, to have this connection between the three generations of Downey men. These interactions also seem very organic, but also quite intentional. It isn't the only moment where you really feel this kind of intergenerational push that Junior is trying to forge. Is this something that came up in your discussions around the film? No, it just happened. Junior, maybe there was, he had some, him and Senior had some master plan, but it, everything just felt very organic in terms of the way it unfolded. To me, what's so interesting is you look at when the movie starts, very first scene, we walk in the backyard and Exxon's there with a water balloon. And then you look at two years later, they're going to visit Senior, and he's like a young man at that point. Such a different kid. He's grown up in that time. There were things like that were like, that just happened. But when you start to discover those in the edit process, they seem so profound in a way, you know, in the best of possible ways, very subtle, but they're there and that they speak to just the fathers and sons and fathers and sons and sort of life moves on and there's a new generation. And it was all there. And it's very clear. I think they're both aware of it, but it wasn't something that was like planned or premeditated. It just was part of what was happening. It also makes you feel really good about the fact that Junior is, you know, making sure that his son has these moments with his grandfather. Yeah. I think it's the final scene where Junior is with Senior in Senior's bedroom. It's just the two of them, and there's two cameras, and Junior is sitting behind one of them. And at this point, Senior does seem to be experiencing some cognitive impairment, which is a symptom of Parkinson's. But on the other hand, he could still be fucking with all of you, which we've learned earlier is yes. a possibility. <laughs> it's an incredible scene, and it just plays out in its own time. It's very long. A lot of it, you just spend waiting for Senior to talk and listening to him breathe. It's a beautiful scene. 
What's interesting is it seems like Junior is actually taking on your role as director at one point. He even refers to himself in the third person. Were you in the room at that time? No, no one was in the room. No uh, one was. Wow. No. And Robert didn't know that the other camera was there. I think he, I know he thought it was him and the camera that he was shooting his father. But on the way out of the room, Kevin put an iPhone in the corner. And so that whole sequence is only captured because Kevin was able to set that up and turn it on before leaving the room. That was really, I think, in Robert's mind, was about him having this moment with his father. It wasn't for the camera because he didn't know that it was there. So you only saw this later when the footage came back. What was your reaction to the scene? It was incredibly moving. Just watching it in real time and playing through it, you just felt like you were let into something so intimate and personal. I just thought it was so incredible that they allowed that to be captured and shared. I, I don't think there's a lot of people that going through that experience would want cameras around. But I think when you see their shared history up to that point, it totally makes sense. It does. And there's a great moment with the hairbrush. Yes. And we'll let the audience discover that on their own. The film ends on a clip from Greaser's Palace, which is one of Senior's movies from the 70s. You had shown some clips from that movie earlier, but here you include a speech from one of the characters that he gives to a group that's gathered around him. He says, I believe you can help each other. I believe you can make this world a better place to live in. Did you always know you wanted to end the movie on a clip from one of his movies? No, for the longest time it ended just after the memorial. I think it was a couple months before we finished. I don't know why, but Susan, Robert's wife, who was also a producer on the movie, just sent me that clip, like a YouTube clip. No email, like it was an email, but there was no commentary, no context. And when I'd seen it after working on the movie for a long time, we'd just done a bunch of editing. So we were like really in it. And it became immediately, this seemed so clear that that was the end of the movie because earlier Robert says, you don't like to tell the audience what to think or what the movie's about. But once I saw that clip, it was so clear that he was telling us what it's all about. Like at the end of that clip, he says, I think the gist of it is be nice to each other. It was like something very simple. When we were looking at the movie and the journey that we had been on, it had to be about Senior at the end. And so to give him that final word was something that felt so singularly Senior, that scene in particular, but that there was something so sweet about it that seemed so reflective of the person that I got to know. But it still had an edge. It was still cool. It was still unique. And it was, but there was something that just seemed like it encapsulated the person that I briefly got to spend time with. It's a beautiful ending and it's a beautiful film. I think it does leave us with the feeling that when people connect with their loved ones, the world can be a better place to live in. So thank you for making a film that takes us to places that I don't think we ever expected to go. And it sounds like you didn't even expect to go there at the beginning. And through it, I feel like I got to know a really amazing father and son. Well, thanks so much. Um, as someone that interviews people all the time, this was a, many questions that have not been asked. Very good observations. Really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks so much, Chris. And congratulations on this film and all of your work. And best of luck going forward. Thank you. Do you have a recommendation for a documentary, Hidden Gem? A film that maybe doesn't get a whole lot of recognition that you'd like to spotlight here. I always go back to Vernon, Florida. I don't know how 
obscure that is, but it's one that's definitely stayed with me over the years. Mm-hmm.